Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Liberty in Christ. Now, here's Bill Ahmed. How many of you like to put together jigsaw puzzles? Let me see your hands. A good number of us. Linda loves jigsaw puzzles. We used to do a lot of puzzles, not so much anymore. I think somebody needs to invent like a table that you can put your puzzle in and cover it up and open it up, work on your puzzle, you know, kind of hide that mess while you're working on it. But I ran across this little article says, everything I needed to know about life, I learned from a jigsaw puzzle. Seven things. Number one, establish the border first. Boundaries give security and order. Number two, when things aren't going well, take a break. Everything will look different when you return. Number three, Working together with friends and family make the task quicker and more fun. Get help. Number four, the creator of the puzzle gave you the picture as a guide. Number five, don't force a fit. If it was meant to be, it will go together. Number six, Perseverance pays off. Every puzzle goes together bit by bit, piece by piece. And number seven, anything worth doing takes time and effort. A great puzzle can't be rushed. Pretty wise for a bunch of cardboard pieces that are cut out with a picture glued on them. But one of the things that seems to recur in that list is patience. It takes a while to do this. You have to wait for it to come together naturally. You can't force it. Have patience. Have perseverance. Stick with it. If you're not patient and you work on a puzzle, what happens? You get frustrated. The thing goes back in the box, and I'm not going to look at that stupid thing anymore. And that's how we get stuff for the yard sale. (laughs) But patience is not part of the law that Paul has been talking about in Galatians. That's not what the law talks about. But in chapter 5, he starts telling us, You know, he's been telling us, you know, ignore the law, ignore the law, follow the Spirit. Chapter 5, he starts telling us what that really means. See, for example, the law could say, don't yell at somebody. And I might be completely frustrated with somebody, but I don't yell. But I walk away and ignore them. I got to get out of here. You're driving me crazy. But I didn't yell. I kept the law, but I might not have treated that person the way I should have treated them, with patience and compassion, and continue to work with them. 
And so sometimes following the law can sometimes be a little easier than following the Spirit. That's what Paul starts addressing here in Galatians 5. I hope you've got your Bibles and devices open to Galatians chapter 5. Our title today is Liberty in Christ. If you've missed some of the other um, messages in this series, you can check them out on our website, downychurch.com or downychurch.org. Both work. You know, they're up there so you can download them on your phone. It's like when you're exercising. What a great thing to listen to while you exercise, right? All right. I see you guys are thrilled by that. All right, let's dive in. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Now Paul's repeating what he has said to us already, right? you got to follow the Spirit and not the law. But he's getting a little stronger about it. He says, listen, if you let yourselves get circumcised, Christ doesn't mean anything to you. Now, this is pretty harsh words. Remember, this is the promise that God gave to Abraham many centuries ago, and they've been faithfully keeping that promise for centuries. And now Paul comes along and says, listen, if you do that, Christ doesn't mean anything to you. That hit them like a load of bricks. What do you mean? See, because what you're saying is when you let yourself be circumcised, you're saying, I can take care of it. I don't need Jesus. I don't trust Him to take care of it. And that's what the false teachers have been teaching them about the law. Says you have to follow the law. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you become good. The undertone to that is you don't need God. You can do it on your own. The Christians thought that following the law would make them better Christians, but Paul says, no, it makes you non-Christian. The exact opposite of what you think it's going to do. He continues in verse 3 and 4, and he says, Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Right? Paul's already told us the law is not bad. The law has a place, that's something useful it should do. But if you're going to try and follow the law and, and get into heaven that way, then you have alienated yourself from God. Because God gave you, out of His kindness and His mercy, a gift. And you are refusing that gift. You are saying, I can do it. And Paul's pretty harsh on them for that. Chapter, I'm sorry, verse 6 says, For Christ Jesus, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What counts? 
Faith doing what? Expressing itself through love. Now we've seen cartoons when people die and they go to heaven and they're met at the gates of heaven by St. Peter and they've got to pass some test to get into heaven. Right? Can you imagine St. Peter standing there? Did you get circumcised? No? You're out. It's ridiculous, right? But the fact that we have those jokes show us how few people understand. How many people struggle with this and don't understand what Paul is talking about. There's something that I have to do. I've got to somehow earn it. I've got to somehow deserve it. Because everything else in our life is that way. You want to move up at work? You better work hard and put in the extra hours, bud. You want to start your own company? You best be ready to work nonstop. Talk to my friend Chris if you've got any questions about how hard it is to start your own company. It's a lot of work. You want to have a successful marriage? It takes work. You can't just, ah, this would be great. You got to work at it. You want to raise successful children who grow up into adults that are responsible and law-abiding, God-fearing? It takes work. And everything in our life takes work. Except the most important thing of all. That is a gift. And it's hard for us to deal with it. It's hard for us to comprehend it. See, because Christianity is a personal relationship with Christ. It is not what you do. It's not what you earn. It's not any of that stuff. It's a personal relationship with Christ. St. Peter is not going to be at the gates with a checklist. Did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? No, you're out. That's not how it works. Paul goes on, verses 7 through 9. He says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Right? You ever watched racing? You know, they've, they've got the little lines on the track. Everybody's got to run in their little little lane. And sometimes you'll see, you know, people, they crowd each other in the other lane. Or when they get to finally the point where they can all go down to the end, right, they're all elbowing to get to the front. And, and Paul says, who cut in on you? See, it's hard to win when somebody's cutting in on you and elbowing you. Where's my friend Danny? We watch a little NASCAR racing. Rubbing is racing, right? Not in foot racing. You're not allowed to go rubbing down the track on each other, okay? And Paul says, listen, it's hard to win the race when somebody's cutting you off. That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. 
You know what we'd say today? Friends like that, who needs enemies? Right? Who needs friends like that, man? They're not doing you any favors, bud. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Who here has made bread? Like seven of us. We need a class in bread making. So, you know, you, you dump all this stuff together, right? You've got cups and cups of flour and some eggs and milk and water and some sugar. And, and you get this pretty good mound of stuff. And just this tiny little bit of yeast. You don't put like two cups of yeast in the bread, right? You have bread coming out your ears, you know. It's, it's just a little bit. And then and, and that bread will expand like three times with just this tiny little bit of yeast. It gets through the whole batch of dough. Just this little tiny bit. Because a little bit of sin causes a whole lot of damage. See, just a little bit getting in there. And you may even think it's something good. A little bit of yeast in the dough is good. Maybe a little bit of law would be good for us. But see, that does a whole lot of problems if you don't handle it right. If you don't handle it right. Continuing on, verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. We've heard this, right? That, that we need to, to um, love one another, right? And that's how we keep the whole law. Love your neighbor as yourself. The whole Jewish law, all those thousands and thousands and thousands of laws they had, that was the core of it. Love your neighbor. Treat people right. That's what all those laws tried to get them to do. Follow God and love your neighbor. And that's what all their laws were about. But it was too much. It was too much of a burden. They couldn't do it. Romans chapter 6 says that sin no longer controls us, but sometimes we still choose to do bad things. We still make mistakes. We're still selfish. We're still mean-spirited. But we, we should work to, to get rid of that stuff and serve one another humbly in love. That's what Jesus did. Now, again, being free from the law doesn't mean... You're free to do whatever you want. Okay? It, it doesn't say you can just do whatever you want. Romans 6 again says, When you're made free from sin, you became a servant of righteousness. 
You're not free to do whatever you want. I always think of traffic laws. I love finding old videos on the Internet, like early 1900s old, old videos, of cars driving through various towns or cities, and you just get this view of what life was like. And they put this camera on a car, and they cruise through town, and you just see horses and cars and people walking in the streets. They're, They're wonderful. I just love watching those things. The bad thing about them is you notice that there's like no lines on the road. There's no stop signs. There's no stoplights. Cars and trucks and horses and train cars, you know, street cars going on the street. They're all just making their way through the mash as best they can. There's even a really cool one out of L.A. here from the 1930s. It's this big old wide road. There's all these gorgeous cars driving on this road. And there's no lines. And they they just kind of weave in and out and pass each other and do whatever. They come to intersections and you just get through as best you can. And part of me says, that'd be really cool. Until you tried to go to work one morning, right? And everybody on the freeways in whatever spot of the freeway they want to be on. And see, so we, we come up with these laws that help us you know, stay in our lane. We know when to stop. We have lights and, and intersections and stop signs and all these rules that help us make our way through. And in some ways, that's easier than if somebody said, hey, just go out there, you know, try not to get road rage and just, you know, love everybody else on the road and get through as best you can. Probably would not be very successful in our society, Right? I know if that happened, I would go get the biggest truck I could find. (laughs) Right? I don't want anybody pushing me off the road. It wouldn't work. And so sometimes having these laws are very helpful. They help us find order. They help us know how to behave. Do you become citizen of the year because you obeyed all the traffic laws? No. No. That's not what they're there for. And so this is the point that Paul's trying to get across. These laws have some, some meaning for us. There's, there's value in them, but that's not how you get saved. Okay? At the end of this, he talks about if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed. Apparently there was fighting over these laws. Should we follow the law? Shouldn't we follow the law? You're not doing it right. You should be doing this. And, I mean, the words he uses fighting and devouring, biting each other. Pretty vicious. Is that how Christians should act? That was an easy one. Let me let me lob it out there again. Is that how Christians should act? No. No. That's what the law does to you. I want you to think about that. That's what the law does to you when you don't handle it correctly. Number three, be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. This is hard. This is hard. Two of your friends are fighting about something. You dive in the middle and try and keep peace. You've got to be careful. Pretty soon you've got no friends because both of them will hate you. Right? But God calls us to be peacemakers. 
Don't be fighting and biting each other. Right? Continuing on. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Every day we have to choose how we want to behave. Do I want to be led by the Spirit? Do I want to live under the law? Our natural desires don't go away when we become Christians. We're still selfish. We're still impatient. All those things we struggle with, we still have them. But how are you going to deal with them? Christians are free from the law, but not free to please themselves. They are free to obey the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says as he goes on. Verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now it's interesting here that that Paul kind of breaks this up into four sets of sins. If you notice there's uh, semicolons in there and he's kind of broken that up. So our first set is, is sexual sins. There's sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Uh, God made sex between a man and a woman. Everything else is a uh, husband and a wife is, is off. And so you know, he says that, that there's sexual sins. Our next group is kind of sins against religion almost or God. Idolatry and witchcraft. Some of the Gentiles came out of um, some of their religions that they had, you know, practiced witchcraft. And they would try to call down curses from the gods on other people they didn't like and try to do magic spells on them and stuff. That second group there is the biggest group, kind of social sins or sins against other people, are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Strangely enough, that's the biggest group. Apparently it's harder to live with all y'all than it is with God. I don't know. Lots of stuff there. And then the last group is kind of sins with alcohols and parties, orgies, drunkenness. Um, So he's divided this up. Now, this is not necessarily every sin you can find on the planet. okay? But But it's a list of things. He says, listen... Just because you're free of the law doesn't mean you can behave like crazy people. Right? We still have a way to behave. We still have ways to conduct ourselves. And all this stuff is not okay. And unfortunately, with, with us people, we tend to be, oh, we've got to follow the law and we're super strict. Or, oh, we're not under the law and we get crazy wild. Okay? And Paul's saying neither one of those is good. Right? We've we got to be somewhere in the middle. We've got to be somewhere in the middle. Here's a text that you guys are familiar with. Verse 22 and 23. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now every time that somebody read this text during a sermon to me, I always thought that that last sentence, against such things there is no law, was the weirdest thing to say. Why would Paul tell us about the fruits of the Spirit and kindness and tell us against such things there is no law? It makes no sense when you pull it out by itself. But when you've gone through the whole book and you understand what Paul is saying about the law and about following the Spirit, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. These qualities that are the fruits of the Spirit are almost the exact opposite of the ones we just read in the other verse. When you follow the Spirit, is the Spirit going to lead you in a way from God or towards God? Towards God. The Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity. Okay? He will lead you. When you are following the Spirit, the Spirit is not going to say, hey man, it's okay to steal that. The Spirit's not going to tell you that. Because the Spirit is leading you towards God. And they're going to reflect the kinds of things that are in God's character. The love, the joy, the peace. It's not going to lead you astray. I recently read a story about a kindergarten teacher. I thought of you, Pilar. It's helping a child put on their boots on a cold day. And the boots just didn't want to go on very well. Struggling to pull the boots on, pushing, shoving, grunting. Finally get the boots on. Kid looks at him and says, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. Sure enough. They didn't come off any easier. Pulling, struggling, getting them off struggling to get them back on this time they're on the right feet child looks at the teacher and says teacher these are not my boots teacher says why didn't you say that trying very hard to be patient pulls the boots back off again kid says teacher they're my brother's boots my mom made me wear them today Back on the boots go. Just what a wonderful example of long suffering. Finally gets the boots on. Kid stands up. Peter says, Where's your mittens? I stuffed them in the toe of my boots so I wouldn't lose them. Now, the child was not being mean spirited, the child was not trying to be difficult. This child. He's immature. God calls us to be patient, to have forbearance, to have gentleness and self-control because there's times in your life when you're going to have to deal with people who are spiritually immature. And they may not look so immature on the outside. But inside, maybe they're spiritually immature. 
And God says, no, we need to be patient. We need to be long-suffering. We need to do this. Behave in a right way, right? Not be biting each other. Not be fighting with each other. When you're following the Spirit, He is going to help you have these kinds of characteristics. The law will not help you behave in the right way. Only the Spirit is going to do that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You so much for the Spirit, Lord, that You have sent that guides us not just through a checklist of things we should and shouldn't do, but guides us in the way we ought to behave, the way we ought to treat our brothers and sisters, the way we ought to deal with people that are difficult sometimes, Lord, whether they intend to be or not. It's wonderful, Lord, that You have sent the Spirit here. Help us to understand what it means to follow the Spirit, let go of the law a little bit, and follow the Spirit in the way He would guide us. The Spirit is not going to send us awry of the law, Lord. Help us to understand that. Help us to be the kind of people that will reflect Your joy and mercy and patience and goodness. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.